please stand and join me for the call to worship. O oh God, our God, how glorious is your name in all the earth. Your glory is sung by all of your creation. When we look to the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, we wonder. You are the God of life, crowning us with glory and honor to serve you all our days. O oh God, our God, how glorious is your name in all the earth.
the words that you just sang were written by Henry Van Dyke. I first found out about Dr. Van Dyke, Presbyterian minister who was at Princeton, lived from 1852 until 1930-something, when I was listening to a sermon by George W. Truett, the famous pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas for his entire career, a sermon about burdens. Dr. Truett, by the way, preached a revival in this church, two services a day, one here at another auditorium at noon, one here at night. I believe it lasted, Dr. Kelly can correct me, I believe it lasted two weeks, and it was packed in both places for both services for two weeks. I believe Dr. Truett also spoke at the dedication here, I don't think it was this pulpit necessarily, maybe it was, for this sanctuary, George W. Truett, my father's namesake. So I've always had a special affinity for him. At the end of that great sermon on burdens, our burdens threefold, I highly recommend it, he quotes a poem called, he calls it Dr. Van Dyke's Little Poem. And I'm going to read that poem to you for our invocation in just a few minutes. Dr. Van Dyke officiated at the funeral for Mark Twain. He was close friends with Helen Keller. They corresponded for many years. This is what Helen Keller said about Dr. Van Dyke. He is the kind of a friend to have when one is up against a difficult problem. He will take trouble, days and nights of trouble, if it is for somebody else or for some cause he is interested in. And then Dr. Van Dyke said in reply, I'm not an optimist. There's too much evil in the world and in me. Nor am I a pessimist. There's too much good in the world and in God. So I am just a meliorist, believing that he wills to make the world better, and I'm trying to do my bit to help and wishing that it were more. So let's greet each other in the peace of Christ and happy Sunday to you all.
as the choir makes uh, their way back up here, I would like to say that I believe our robes are coming in this week, and we plan, we plan to celebrate and wear our robes for the first time on August 25th and do some special music. Our invocation will be Dr. Van Dyke's little prayer, a little poem about peace, which I find very moving. With eager heart and will on fire, I strove to win my great desire. Peace shall be mine, I said, but life grew bitter in the barren strife. My soul was weary and my pride was wounded deep. To heaven I cried, God grant me peace or I must die. The dumb stars glittered no reply. Broken at last, I bowed my head, forgetting all myself and said, whatever comes, thy will be done. And in that moment, peace was won. Amen.
good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Our Old Testament reading comes from Micah 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of the body from the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. second reading is from the New Testament and from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and reading verses 16 through 19. In honor of the Gospel and the words of Jesus, will you stand for the reading? Then Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the word of the Lord. love there we go <laughs> the voice from above everybody glad to be here today isn't it great we've had a good weekend and the weather's beautiful and sunny outside and everybody here you're in a place where everybody loves and cares about you how's that make you feel good good me too me too okay i want to show you something i want you to look at this what does that look like? What do, you, what do you think of when you first see that? Looks like a Bible, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Does it look new? 
It is an old, old book. It's very old. In fact, this was a book that was my grandmother's house, and I remember sitting in her lap, and she was reading stories out of it to me and my sister. And that's been a long time ago, but it's still one of my very favorite ones. And I want to share with you one of my favorite stories in the book. Okay, this story is called The Little Rabbit Who Wanted Red Wings. Have you ever heard of that before? You've heard of that? No? Have you? Have you all heard of that before? No? That would be, wouldn't it? It'd be really different, wouldn't it? Well, let me tell you just a little bit about it, okay? It says, once upon a time, and when you hear stories like that, don't you like those that start from once upon a time? Once upon a time, there was a little white rabbit with two beautiful long pink ears and two bright red eyes and four soft little feet and a pretty little white rabbit, but he was not happy. He wanted to be somebody else instead of the nice little rabbit that he was. When the gray squirrel went by, the little rabbit would say to his mommy, Oh, I wish I had a long gray tail like Mr. Bushytail. When Mr. Porcupine went by, he would say to his mommy, I wish I had a back full of bristles like Mr. Porcupine. And when Miss Puddle Duck went by, the rabbit would say, I wish I had beautiful red feet like she does. And one day, Mr. Groundhog, who was very wise, told him to go down to the wishing pond, turn around three times, and wish for what you wanted. So he did that, and he saw, as he was there by the pond, he saw a bird that had red wings. And he said, oh, I wish I had red wings like that pretty bird. And lo and behold, that little rabbit grew red wings. And so then he ran home to show his mommy, and the mommy opened the door, and she, he, she said, oh, my goodness, this couldn't be my little rabbit because my little rabbit doesn't have red wings. And he ran to show his friends, and nobody knew who he was because he was so different from the way he looked, used to look. And he was very sad. So he went back to the wishing pond, turned around three times, and wished that he did not have those red wings. And lo and behold, the red wings went away. This was, this was a picture of him with the red wings. How about that? It's really different, isn't it? You don't usually see a rabbit. You can see why his mommy just really didn't think that was her own little rabbit. So in the end, he, he decided that he liked himself the way he was. Now, when I read this, the first thing I thought was, well, you know, sometimes we dress up, don't we? Like at Halloween, put on costumes, and you, you want to be, you want to look a little bit different. But all those times, your mom and daddy know who you are, don't they? Yeah, they. Yeah, it's just Halloween. It's just pretend. And usually our parents know us every, every day, don't they? Well, in the Bible, Jesus traveled to many different places, and he talked to all different kinds of people. He talked to old people and young people and kids, sick people, well people, rich people, people from other countries and cities, people that lived on cities and farms. And he found out that sometimes people say one thing, and they really mean another thing. They're really trying to hide their real feelings, and they're trying to look like they're smarter or better or maybe even have more power than they really do. And we read stories in the Bible of people like this. But Jesus knew each person for who they really were. They could not pretend 
to be someone else like we do at Halloween. He knew their feelings and ideas, and he knows our feelings all the time. And this is a good thing, because when we pray, he knows what we're trying to say. When we really can't think of the words, he knows how we feel. And when we pretend to be something else that we're not, he knows the real us, and he wants us to be happy with ourselves. And Because after all, he created us. And no matter what, he loves us and cares about us. And you know, this is true no matter where we are, no matter how we mess up, and no matter how we pretend, he wants us to remember who we are and who loves us. Because he knows our feelings and he also knows our heart. Can we say a prayer? Let's, let's say a prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here today. We thank you for knowing us. We thank you for caring about us always, no matter where we are in our lives, wherever we are in the world. Thank you for your love and thank you for your care. In Jesus' name, amen. our prayers of intercession this morning, I'm going to invite you to, re to respond. Uh, when I say, loving God, hear our prayers, I'm going to invite you to say, Lord, graciously hear us. Loving God, hear our prayers. God, Lord, graciously hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, who is like you? The heavens are yours, the earth is yours also. You formed this planet through the stars into space, shaping the universe and loving it steadfastly forever. Yet we do not approach you first and foremost as a powerful creator, but as a loving parent, welcoming, forgiving, generous, and kind. We come to pray during these long summer days for the people sometimes we take for granted, for family, friends, good neighbors, loyal colleagues, for the producers and preparers of our food, those who maintain gas, electricity, and water supplies, those who drive buses, taxis, those who pilot planes, people who deliver our mail, collect our waste, mend our roads, give us weather forecasts. Loving God, hear our prayer for these and others. Graciously hear us. We give thanks for people we admire, for firefighters, ambulance officers, nurses, surgeons, therapists, school teachers, writers, musicians, sports stars, those courageous souls who fight corruption in high places, the many who serve as charity volunteers, even abroad in dangerous circumstances. Loving God, hear our prayers. Lord, graciously hear us. We pray for those who work in local, state, national politics, for all journalists, for those who are employees, employers, for those who are colleagues at work, for those we love and those sometimes we put up with. Loving God, hear our prayers. Lord, graciously hear us. 
We pray for those particular people for whom we have a special concern today. We name them before you in your presence and in our minds. For those members of our family who are ill, who are downcast, who are grieving, Lord, we name them before you now. Whatever their need or personal issues, whatever their age, health, sins, faults or virtues, we ask you to guide, to guard, to nurture and sustain those whom we have named in your presence. Loving God, hear our prayers. Lord, graciously hear us. We offer all our prayers in the name of our Saviour, who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
we have sung and heard sung some of the, the great hymns of the church this morning. And in this series on Then Sings My Soul, where we're reflecting on some of the hymns that we sing in church Sunday by Sunday, this morning we're thinking about the hymn God of Grace and God of Glory, which we will use to conclude our worship today. It was written by Harry Emerson Fosdick for the dedication of a new church that had been built in Riverside in New York, just opposite Union Theological Seminary. Fosdick had served as a chaplain in the First World War, and this church was going to be dedicated in 1930, and Fosdick wrote the hymn for the dedication of the new building. He had occupied the pulpit, strangely enough, as a Baptist of Old First Presbyterian Church on Fifth Avenue in New York, despite the fact that he was a Baptist. Fosdick had been a kind of thorn in the flesh of a lot of people at that time. He was living through the Great Depression. He was seeking to bring the message of the good news of God's love for humanity in fresh ways in order to help people who were coping with all the stresses and strains of living in a time of depression. He was a champion of what was called at the beginning of the 20th century, the social gospel, a movement that recognized the needs of the poor, especially in the urban Northeast where he himself lived. He left First Presbyterian Church on Fifth Avenue in order to become a member and pastor of Park Avenue Baptist Church on the understanding that the church was going to move to a new building which would be built with the money of its major benefactor, John D. Rockefeller Jr. And eventually, the building was opened. The hymn was sung, and it has been sung by countless people down through the 90 years since that time. Under his leadership, Riverside Church became interdenominational, interracial, without a creed, and astonishingly, for a Baptist church, it required no specific mode of baptism. You could be baptized as an infant, as an adult, by pouring, sprinkling, or immersion. At the center of his ministry was urban social ministry, funded, strangely enough, by one of the richest people in the country. The hymn was written by Fosdick as he watched the church being built. He was also, as well as being pastor, he was also one of the lecturers, professors at Union Theological Seminary, which was across the road from Riverside. Some years ago, I was doing some research on Riverside and the pastor that followed Fosdick, and I went to both the seminary and also Riverside Church to see this place that I'd heard about so often. The hymn is a prayer, a prayer for God to bestow his blessing on the church, as well as wisdom and courage for what Fosdick calls for the facing of this hour. Now, the hour that the church in the 1930s was facing is very different to the hour that we face in 2019. In that context, it was the, the, the hour of the depression, of people desperately needing a sense of hope and encouragement in the midst of despair. Our situation is changed, it's different, but it's still an hour of need that we face as a church here at Southside. And I believe the hymn and the message still has relevance for us. Interestingly enough, the hymn begins not by speaking about the social needs of the 1930s, 
but rather the God to whom Fosdick turned for inspiration and encouragement to enable him to be saved from what he calls weak resignation, being resigned, just being weak, not doing anything about the situation we face. He was too well aware that often the difficulties of life and the crisis that the church faces would lead us just to throw up our hands and say, what can I do about it? Weak resignation. He was tempted to believe that the evils that he was facing far outstripped the resources we have to deal with them. Tempted to retreat into a safe place, wait for the storm to pass over. But evil unopposed doesn't pass over. It takes a sacrifice of dedicated women and men of all ages to build a better world. And so he prays, save us from weak resignation to the evils we deplore. And where do we turn? God of grace and God of glory. One of Fosdick's colleagues at Union Seminary was Reinhold Niebuhr, who wrote the famous serenity prayer. You know it, I'm sure. God grant us the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Perhaps Fosdick had picked up on something about that from Niebuhr. He doesn't want serenity. He wants change, he wants action, and he wants wisdom and courage to act on behalf of the kingdom of God and the needs of others, to pick up on some of the themes of Micah, seeking humility and justice, of Jesus in his opening sermon in Luke chapter 4, to bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor to challenge evil, to call out injustice, a recognition that there is no place for inaction or business as usual, no time to rely on the old formulations. We need to do something about it. Fosdick had been greatly influenced by another New Yorker, a German Baptist called Walter Rauschenbusch. Walter Rauschenbusch had, had published a book in 1907 called Christianity and the Social Order. Fosdick called it a book that struck home poignantly on the intelligence and the conscience. It ushered in a new era in Christian thought and action. It was the beginning of what I called earlier on the social gospel, a recognition that the good news of God's love impacts not only spiritual need, but physical and emotional need. This book was very influential in the life of another person called Martin Luther King Jr who commented on Rauschenbusch's book by saying, it left an indelible imprint on my thinking. And Fosdick wants that book to influence the way in which he thinks and acts as the Christian church. Fosdick's understanding of the good news of God's love was one that affected every aspect of our humanity. The first line of the hymn reminds us that the center of our lives and of our churches is God, God of grace, and God of glory. And the hymn ends with the reminder that all we do must be placed in the context of worship, serving thee whom we adore. Sometimes Fosdick and his hymn is criticized because it seems to be focused on the needs that he saw in the 1930s. But bookending the beginning of the hymn and the end of the hymn is Fosdick understanding that the only hope we have is in God, the God whom we adore, the God whom we worship as the God of grace and the God 
of glory. It's an interesting combination, God of grace and glory. A God of grace, well, that's part of our identity statement as a church, an inclusive community of grace. Another colleague at Union Seminary was called Paul Tillich, and he spoke about justification by grace as accepting that you're accepted by God even though you feel unacceptable. That's grace. Grace that reaches out to those in need. Grace that welcomes. Grace that includes. Grace that accepts. And yet, Fosdick was aware, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer would become aware, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer spent some time at Union Seminary in the early 1930s as well. There's a great, uh, there's a great number of people around at that time. Bonhoeffer, who died for his opposition to Hitler at the end of the Second World War, spoke about cheap grace. Grace that doesn't realize the cost of discipleship. Grace that doesn't realize that God is not only a God of grace, but a God of glory. That God is not only an accepting God, but God is an affirming God in terms of living a life of obedience to his will. The term glory speaks of the transcendence of God the one who is beyond our explanations, before whom we are lost in wonder, love, and praise, reverence, and awe. But this God is a God who is also gracious. God of grace and God of glory, on thy people pour thy power. The God of grace is the God who is with us, for us. The God of glory is the God who is for himself in seeking to honor his way of his kingdom. For this, we ask God to give us power. God of grace and God of glory, on thy people pour thy power. Then he goes on, crown his ancient church's story, bring its bud to glorious flower. What's he getting at? I think he's getting at seeing the purposes of God for humanity being fulfilled. Purposes of God such as God's promises to Abraham, through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. The promises of God through Jesus, I will build my church and the gates will, of hell will not prevail against it. The hymn that we sang earlier on, I love to tell the story of Jesus and his love. To pray that that telling of the story in its bud might become a full plowing. That the love of God that we speak about might actually impact the lives of people around about us. And we might see the blossoming of God's grace in people's lives. Yet Fosdick was aware that there's a difficulty of fulfilling these tasks. And so the second stanza speaks about the hosts of evil round us which scorn thy church and assail his ways. There's a suggestion here that the church might sometimes retreat, even go into retreat on the defensive, losing ground and losing hope, losing face. We can become fearful, give up of hoping that things might get better. That can be as true in 2019 as it was in 1930. Secularism expanding, the church even in the south losing members and losing ground and not growing. And so we pray, from the fears that long have bound us, says Fosdick, from the fears that long have bound us, free our hearts to faith 
and praise, to believe that God is with us. Is this just whistling in the dark? Well, no, because we pray to God to grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the living of these days. Some people want to live in the past rather than the present. It's the first century where the church was expanding. We don't live there. The 16th century with Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox. He's a Scotsman. We don't live there. The 18th century, Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley. We don't live there. We live in 2019. We face the situation of today. And we need wisdom, we need courage, and we need power to live in our day and to be faithful. Fosdick is aware of all the temptations that are faced within society and within the church. He speaks about the warring madness of people who long to be rich in things and poor in soul. He's aware of the needs of the poor. He's involved in seeking to alleviate the needs of the poor, but he recognizes that the heart of our lives, there's not just physical poverty, there is spiritual poverty. We can be rich in things and poor in soul. I sometimes wonder how that must have been felt by John Rockefeller as he sang this hymn at the dedication of the church where all his money has been poured into building. You can be rich in things, John, and poor in soul. And he says in his hymn, Lord, keep us from that. The prayer also asks that we might be shamed in our wanton, selfish gladness. It's possible to forget how to blush, as Jeremiah used to put it. The Jewish scholar Abraham Herschel says, embarrassment is a protection against self. The end of embarrassment would be the end of humanity. Fosdick knows that. And so he tries to get us into a situation where when we pray to the God of grace and the God of glory for help, we recognize the things that war against us, rich in things, poor in soul, no longer being embarrassed in our life about the things that are antithetical to God's kingdom. But the the hymn ends positively, hopefully that God will save us from weak resignation to the evils we deplore. Confession of sin is important. Fosdick recognizes that. And into that place of confession comes the gift of thy salvation. Because the God of glory is the God of grace. It's a wonderful combination here of God's activity and our activity. God's grace is at the foundation. God's power is what we need. We can't do it on our own. And yet... We're meant to do things that advance the kingdom of God. We don't throw up our hands in despair. That would be a lack of faith. And we don't seek to hold back in doing the will of God. Perhaps it is to believe that everything depends on God, but also to believe that everything depends on us and keep those in balance how we need wisdom and courage to serve the God whom we adore. But we will only do that when his grace becomes our sufficiency and his glory becomes the all-consuming passion of our lives. And it's the only way, I believe, and I know you believe, that we will make a difference in our church, in our community,
and in our world. So we need to do it. Will you pray with me? God of grace and God of glory, on thy people pour thy power. We ask it in our Savior's name. Amen. We're going to sing this hymn now. Number 285, God of grace and God of glory. join me in prayer. All good gifts come from you, dear Lord, and from these riches we bring this offering. 
Help us to use it for the furtherance of your purpose in this place and for the benefit of those in need. Amen. we bring these our gifts to you and pray your blessing may be upon them and people may be helped through them through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray amen please be seated <laughs> I trust that God has blessed you as you've worshiped with us this morning we will be serving some lemonade and cookies in the narthex and we hope that if you're 
hope that all of you will join us, but especially those who are perhaps visiting with us this morning for a short time after the benediction. This week, we see a variety of different events in the church. Our service to the surrounding community in the closed closet and the food bank will continue this week. And on Wednesday night, after our fellowship supper, or part of our fellowship supper, we're going to begin a new series of, of studies. It's going to have the title, Holy Habits, Spirituality for the 21st Century. So if you want to know what I mean by that, you'll have to come along and find out. And that starts at 6.15, our study on Wednesday night. The men's lunch and Bible study at uh, 12 noon on Thursday. And then don't forget Jazz Vespers, which takes place next Sunday at 6 o'clock in Brennan Hall. It's going to be a good event. Trust that you will have a good week and that God will richly bless your life and use you in the extension of his kingdom. As we go, we'll re receive the blessing of God. May the blessing of the triune God, parent, lover, and friend, be with each and every one of us now and forevermore. 